You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I have a message I'm going to share. I changed my message this morning at the prompting of your beloved pastor. Pastor Jurgen challenged me last night. So I'm just obeying your pastor. Uh, if it turns out good, um, you can give me the credit. If it turns out bad, you can blame him. I, th- I think that's the... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, before I open the word, uh, let me uh, share something uh, humorous. heard about this young San Diego businessman who wanted to honor his parents who lived in Florida for their 35th wedding anniversary. So he's at the mall and he wants to find something so unique and exquisite that really represented... Um, a honoring and a kind of expensive gift for his parents. He couldn't find anything. He finally turned into a pet store. And there he found a rare South American parrot that could speak 150 words in English. And it was thousands of dollars. He said, that's it, man. That's a once-in-a-lifetime gift. He bought it, had it shipped all the way across the country to Florida where his parents were. He hadn't heard anything for a few days. And finally he called and said, hey, Mom and Dad, I'm checking to see if you got the gift I sent you. And his dad said, yes, son, we got it, and it was delicious. (laughs) And the son said, delicious, father, that that was a rare South American parent that could speak 150 words in English. Long pause, and finally, the father says, well, he should have said something. (laughs) Should have said something, okay. My title is Shave It Off. I'll be reading our text. It'll be Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. There's a, a, you know, whenever the Bible gives us a elongated, a large narrative about any particular biblical figure, it's purposeful. So we can learn from their lives. And out of this story, there are whole chapters in Genesis written about Joseph's journey from a coat of many colors to having prophetic dreams to family betrayal to being falsely accused and finally to fulfill destiny. And so he's at now the point of fulfilled destiny. Pastor Samuel and I were joking with Queen Services about overnight successes, and there's no really no such thing. It must have felt like the people that watch Joseph's rise thinking, well, that guy's an overnight success, but it was a 20-year journey. And Genesis 41 gives us the turning point, the release moment of his prophetic journey in verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his garments, and came to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. He shaved, changed his garment, and came before Pharaoh. Father, we thank you for your word that's living. It's not just the the ancient history of another generation, but your word's alive and filled with power. Every sentence from Genesis to Revelation is out of your mouth. God breathed. And so, Father, I pray that you would anoint your word today. Anoint your people today and anoint your servant today. Let revelation flow. Let healing flow. Show the devil who's boss. 
by all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just three simple points from this story. The first one is they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. It's interesting when you study kind of the history of how dungeons were created. It wouldn't be like a medieval dungeon in a castle. In antiquity, dungeons were usually empty or dry wells. So they, they were deep spots in the earth that had maybe at one time held water, but now were empty. And so they were always submerged. Even to this day, in the Middle East, they have kind of these submerged physical places that they hold prisoners at. So he's in this dungeon, and the Bible says when he came out, he came out quickly. Yeah. Well, the Hebrew word for quickly just means to run. So he went from standing still to a full sprint in one moment. It speaks of the kingdom principle of divine acceleration. That God can make up in 10 days what you've lost in 10 years. That God can catch you up in life. And it's so important in, in the book of Joel, chapter 2, there's such a great verse. My precious wife and I really claim it as one of our life verses, and it says this. God speaking in the first voice says, I will restore the years to you. The years that the locusts, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts has eaten away from your life. And God says, I can give you back anything life took from you. And it's a big thing because one of the strategic assaults of the enemy is to fill us with remorse or regret about things that didn't happen or have not happened and make us kind of live with the continuing discouragement or pain of that. But in the kingdom of God, it's never too late. It's never too late. There's a book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes and in it, it is a pretty sorrowful book. Someone in a full-blown depression wrote it. But there in chapter 7, there's some, that were, uh, the whole book is amazing. But one of the verses says this. It's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. And that's when I say rough, rough to you this morning in this church of lions. It means this. As long as you're alive, there's a purpose for your life. <laughs> there's a purpose for your life. In another great verse is Amos chapter 9, verse 13, that God's speaking to brokenhearted people that have lost so much. And he used agrarian terms because most of the Bible was written in an agrarian time. And the Lord says to him, the plowman will overtake the reaper, bread of grapes, him that sows seed. That the cycles, the normal cycles of life would be shortened. But the Message Bible says it so beautifully. It won't be long now. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings, blessings like wine pouring out the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. And so the promise of God is don't worry about your timelines because it's never too late for God. It's never too late for God. It's, it's important that you get that because the devil would put a chronological idea in your mind. And in my 20s and 30s, I had so many miracles and, and great breakthroughs in ministry. 
and people would say, you're way ahead of your time. You're way but then I, I had something hit me in my late 30s, and people would say, you're way behind time. It was like a, a, a runner in first place that falls down, and the, everyone goes in front of him. And when you, when you feel like life is passing you by, that's when you have to trust God that your story's not over. Give God the chance to write a good ending to your story. Don't give up. Amen. Don't give up before the fat angel sings. Don't give up before God writes a good ending. So they're sprinting from the prison to the palace. They're sprinting into a new season. And as they go, they begin to accomplish a transformational work in Joseph's life. The first thing is they handed him a sharp razor and said, shave off your prison beard. So while they're running, while they're hurrying, Joseph has to delicately shave. Now, the common feature in antiquity in prisons would be all the men would have beards because they wouldn't be trusted with knives, you know, swords or razors, anything sharp. So they all had beards of necessity. They couldn't shave. So he, he looks like where he's been. He looks like the culture that he's belonged to for years. They, they, they all had the same appearance, but they, they, they handed him the razor and said, you can't look like your history when you go into your destiny. You have to shave it off. And so what the Bible does, the Bible gives us the tools, the insights, the kingdom principles to get healthy in any season of life. Between the work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the principles of God's word, God gives us the tools and then gives us the choice whether to stay victims or to become overcomers. Okay? That's, that's our story. That's, that's all of our story. And so when we apply things and we put them to work by faith, we will see the consequence, the reward of that principle work in our life. So God treats us uh, with a healing promise. So there's a couple things about this because in my story, let, let me give you just a, a, a quick synopsis. Beautiful Mary and I have been married 42 years and uh, she's the love of my life and I'm so grateful for her. And we started our first church when we were just babies at 27. We were we pastored, I was for, for a few years associate pastor in Orange County in Anaheim. We moved back to my hometown, Scottsdale. We started a church called the Eagle's Nest in 1985. Well, the Lord blessed that church. It was the right time, right place, right people. And Scottsdale was an emerging city, growing, and we just hit things right. It grew to about 4,500 people in 10 years on Sundays. So we had, you know, multiple services, and and our worship leader was Israel Houghton, and we had just a host of things happening. And... um, we were building, so we, had, we for 10 years we had leased and finally we're, we bought ground and we're building our first building. It was a 4,800 seat auditorium. Wow. So it was a massive building in the busiest street of Scottsdale. And in August of 1995, our church treasurer, a local businessman who owned seven businesses, including the equivalent to a savings alone, where we had all of our church accounts and 2,000 of us had our personal accounts with him, embezzled $20 million from the church. So he stole everything we had and, and more. So we had, as a consequence of that, 10 front page stories. Whenever it talked about him, talked about the church, his prominence. Um, headlines of the front page story. 
And uh, I six lawsuits, two class action lawsuits, 15 concurrent attorneys at the same time, covering such a wide spectrum of issues. So the, our church grew from 4,500 to 140. That's the wrong way on the chart. You know, that's the upside down. And uh, everything that could, my oldest son started self-medicating. He, he grew into full-blown addiction with drugs for seven years. Just a little boy, 13, losing all of his friends, having horrible things said about us. We were homeless for 10 months as a family with four beautiful children. Um, so, you know, everything about my family is a miracle today because of what we've been through. So all these things happened. I became clinically, manically, and really uh, a dangerously suicidally depressed. So I knew I was depressed because I was finishing my PhD in psychology. So every day, you know, I'd be reading something new and think, oh, that's wonderful. I got that too. I, oh, yeah, yeah. That's nice to know. Great to know. So those things really happened. I was 37 and thought my life was over. The worst thing that happens in a church is a scandal. And we had kind of a world-class scandal. It was, it was quite impressive. And uh, people in, in my city, the whole city is talking about us, churches, the, the media, everybody talking about us. Uh, so those things happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I give all the credit to Jesus and Mary, not that Mary, my Mary, for, um, for, for bringing us through that, especially for enduring, you know, um, gosh, I think I would sleep 14 hours a day. It was the only remedy I found for depression. Yeah. And I, I never did drugs or alcohol, but I did Twinkies and Snickers <laughs> and uh, a chocolate cake. Uh, I weighed 100 pounds more than I do right now when I, because I'm really just trying to kill myself um, that way. So one day I'm, I, I had to drive my kids to school and back every day. It was quite a, quite a long trip to their Christian school, and it took a few, you know, about three hours total. So I had all this time on the freeway. The Lord started talking to me, you know, in these drives. He said to me, Michael, one day, he said, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? And I said, yes, I would, Jesus. In fact, I've made a list of some people. If you would please kill everybody on this list. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done. And what he said next to me transformed my life. Here's what he said. Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they caused you. So, you know, I'm a theologian. That was a reference to Joseph's son, Manasseh, which means to forget, anointed to forget. It's in the same chapter, Genesis 41, verse 51. And Joseph had a son, his oldest son, Manasseh. And he said this, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Everything I've been, and so here's what I found out. You can't forget it until you forgive it. So it's, it's my, my first response to God was to push back and say, I know that's a biblical truth. Remember when Peter said, how, how often should we forgive someone a day? Seven times? And Jesus said, 70 times seven. Now, if someone hurts you 490 times a day, you either gave birth to them or are married to them. That's about the, uh, that's, there, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff. And 
So forgiveness is never not an option. You know what I mean? There's never something so grotesquely painful. God says, oh, don't, you don't have to forgive that. So it's a command. And so I said to the Lord, well, how can I forgive them if I don't mean it emotionally? I'll feel like a, you know, a Pharisee, a hypocrite. When I said that, I had this beautiful vision of a train. And emblazoned across the engine was the word faith. And maybe 100 cars down was the caboose, the last car, and it had the word feelings on it. Then I knew that if I would forgive by faith, eventually my emotions would catch up to my faith. And I would feel it. I would feel it. So I started praying four times a day for these people on a list. Made a list, checked it twice. Everybody was naughty. Nobody was nice on my list. And about seven or eight weeks into it, just like a ritual, I'm praying these things, quoting scriptures, praying blessings. The glory of God came into my car. I, put, I don't know how I made it home, actually. I began to uncontrollably weep. As I sat in my driveway there, I said, what, what just happened? I realized two miracles had happened. Number one, all the pain was gone, like he promised me. And the second miracle, almost as significant, I felt an ocean of love for the people that had broken my heart. I've been able to reconnect with many of these people on that list and just show them so much love. Act as if they never hurt me. <laughs> so, so Jesus did it. In the New Testament, remember Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, he said this, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our trespasses in the same way we forgive others. In the New Testament, the main word, Greek word for forgiveness is aphemi, A-P-H-E-M-I. And aphemi means to let go. It's like kind of the portrait of a, an archer shooting an arrow. Let go. I'm a devoted uh, 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 grandpa. And if I would have known how great grandchildren were, I would have skipped kids and gone right for the grandkids. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have some cool friends. No one's cooler. You know, Pastor Jurgen's like a five-tool pastor. You know, baseball, five-tool guys can do everything. So he, he has literally this wide capacity of giftedness. It's so unusual. And we honor and celebrate that um, for, the, you know, the way uh, God's made him, God created him to be that way. That is a gift to this church and an inspiration to all of us. Amen? Um, but um, with my kids, uh, it might have been like 10 years ago now, a movie came out called Frozen. So my grandkids are like, Poppy, can we watch Frozen? And I say, oh, yeah, we, we've only seen it 84 times. And if you want to see it again, I can't wait to sit there and watch this movie. And so I'd have to sit next to them. They'd all line up. There's five of them at that time. They're, li they're all lined up there. We'd have some popcorn. And if I even turned my head, Poppy, you're going to miss this next part. I'm like, I know what's coming. I'm familiar with this part of the movie. And... There's, there's a, a song in Frozen called Let It Go. And when you watch the movie 84 times, you lay in bed at night crying, Jesus, please let this song go from my mind. It's, it's become a tormenting experience. And, uh, but that's what forgiveness does. It lets it go. There's no hurt he can't heal. 
if we forgive the herder. Okay, there's no hurt. Forgiveness unlocks you from the prison of pain. The last, I have just a, a minute and a half. Okay. That's a suggestion. Thank you, Pastor, for your graciousness. Yeah. When, when, when Joseph forgave his family, listen, Joseph was called to rescue his family. And Joseph was called to redeem Egypt. His two callings to government and family were the two areas where he was most severely attacked. Often the enemy will attack you in the same area God's anointed you to be a breakthrough transformational agent of heaven. And see, if you don't forgive people that hurt you, by the time God finally gives you a platform of purpose and influence, instead of helping the people you're called to help, you'll hurt them. So instead of seeking revenge on his older brothers, he rescued them. Instead of destroying Egypt, he rescued the whole earth and made Egypt the wealthiest it ever was in his, under his leadership. That's what forgiveness allows us to do. Lastly, they, they handed, after he had shaven, they handed him a rope. He said, please change your garments from your prison garment to this palace robe, this princely robe. And it's a portrait of God healing our identity. So, so we can unlock our destiny. Your identity is, the revelation of your identity is always the key that unlocks the realization of your destiny. When you talk about, God, what do you want me to do? I'll always talk about who you are. Here's who you are. So they said, you have to change out of that. See, the problem with this generation currently, we are, we are making victimization a virtue so and I'm not because I know what it's like to be victimized so I'm not belittling any pain in your story but the problem with being a victim is you never get better you get sympathy but you don't get health okay so we have to make the choice am I going to stay locked in this thing forever and so Joseph has to change his garment. He has to take off what life told him he was. The life said he was a, a, a criminal. Life said he was a slave. But God said he was a prince. So the Bible, the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians, so many great things, chapter 3. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, that we are... Gazing in his, into a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changing to the same image. So the Bible is a mirror of identity that tells us who we are. It's a book of identity, not behavior. This isn't a set of rules that you have to keep. It's a, it's a revelation of your identity. It then shows you what that looks like. For example, the book of Ephesians, first three chapters about who you are, the last three chapters about what that looks like in your behavior. So identity, when we ask people to change their behavior, before God has healed their identity, we just put more religious bondage on them that they can't maintain. So God goes after identity. So the, the, the enemy's most strategic, severe 
and demonic assault will always be against your identity. So in this generation, where I think the other day I looked up Facebook as 57 different genders you can identify with us probably this month in the 60s or 70s. We, we keep adding things. So this, this whole generation, their identity is being assaulted by the, the culture and by demonic thoughts and demonic strongholds. So the church has to show people what it's like to be a child of God. Yeah. I am a child of God. That's who I am. Second Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old yeah. things passed away, all things may do. Verse 21 says, he made him, the father made the son who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who God tells me I am. I can do what God tells me I can do. Your identity always carries with it hope. When people are out of place with their kingdom identity, they lose hope. The, when I did a forensic of my own depression, I realized I became depressed because I lost hope. I could not imagine a, any way God could make my future worthwhile or meaningful because of what had happened to us. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, when hope deferred makes your heart sick, when hope walks out, depression walks in. Just like your lungs need oxygen, your soul needs hope. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We suffocate without it. Now think about what the devil's doing to this whole world right now, trying to create so much hopelessness that people are literally suffocating in fearfulness and anxiety. That's the devil's plan for us. We are carriers of hope. So, so I, my identity as a child of God has ruined me to believe that the best is yet to come because I believe God's good. It's impossible to not expect his goodness when you know how good he is. It's impossible not to expect that. So the best is yet to come. Last, a, a couple stories. God, God helped us. God gave us. We started over 18 years ago with nothing. God breathed upon us. We have a bunch of campuses, a $40 million free building, 2,400-seat auditorium, et cetera, et cetera. One miracle, God delivered my son from drugs. He's a pastor in our church now, local businessman and pastor. And uh, so many wonderful things. And uh, um, when God gives you a second chance, every day is a good day. Beautiful Mary calls me Lazarus. People come to our church just to see the comeback kid, just to see what God did. Because no one believed it was possible. I don't think I believed it was possible. But look at God. The last uh, couple little stories. My, we're watching Frozen uh, for the, I, I think only the 83rd time. And uh, she was probably three and a half or four. Very precocious little girl, my granddaughter, London. She leaped across the couch, got room right in my face, grabbed my cheeks. I said, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. My grandchildren only know a happy man. They're 16 down to three. Because that's what Jesus did for me. And if Jesus, if Jesus could heal my heart, he could heal yours. If he could give me a second chance or a hundredth chance, a new beginning, he can give you one. So, so don't give up. 
Pastor, what did you do right? I didn't give up. I have a really long list of things I did wrong. I have one thing on the good side. He was too stubborn to quit. Finally, finally my stubbornness paid off or something. But I pray, Father, I pray for every person that's hurting today. I pray, God, that just my simple story will encourage them to know, God, you're not done in their story. The best is yet to come. That you have great plans. You have great, a great comeback story. Lord, let anyone who's been fighting depression, Jesus, you said you came to heal the broken heart, to heal their heart, I pray. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Two people battling in this room, suicidal thoughts, and God's literally lifting those out of your mind. Thank you, God. Today is, was their breakthrough day. They're here and you're helping them. And you're doing something in their story, their lives, that's really significant and important. And that, God, we thank you for. Thank you, God, for all you're doing. Just a, a couple things. Are, um, are, are, you, are you with uh, them? or? Yeah, that's your little, yeah, him too? Yeah, we, we include you. God, super proud of you guys. I, I just want to say, it's like a test, a report card, a bunch of A pluses. And the Lord says, thank you. Thank you for persevering with excellence, with godliness, with integrity, with genuine faith. And in this season, God is marking your family for significance. And you're going to see some amazing turnarounds. So just going back like six and a half years, promotions that were kept from you are coming back to you. God is demanding that things the enemy tried to steal from you come back into your world. So you're in an unusual season, sir, where things, it'll seem like out of the blue, but things have already been in the works for a while from God. You broke the curse of angry men in your family. God's very proud of you. You're the curse breaker. You're the way maker. God's proud of you. What you've become. Every, every person in your family who's battling either mental disease or an addictive practice, God's going to set free. So on your side of the family, you're going to see some real miracles. I saw, you look very healthy, but I saw twice death came for you and the Lord rebuked it. The Lord pushed back death. You're a real miracle man. This is a miracle family. Great grace upon all of you. Sister, the Lord loves to hear you worship, pray, sing. You have such a sincere heart. You have such a great joy. It's contagious. It's encouraging. You can't help but encourage people. You, you, you're contagious with joyfulness. And the Lord's just very, he's very proud of you. Because that wasn't always a story in your family lineage. And you determined to be someone different. And you found in Christ a different, whole different path. God is setting someone's, as in your side of the family, God's setting someone's mind. It's been like 24 years they've been tormented. God's setting them free. And you're going to see a real miracle happen in your family in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God. Pastor Samuel and Katie, the Lord is, you know, it's, it, your, your stories are so interesting, so intriguing. But God's really proud of you. I want to say this. Your obedience 
from not that long ago, from like four or five years ago, your obedience then protected you from the storm that's hitting now. And you would have been in a different place under a different set of circumstances. But here you are changing the world for Jesus because of your radical faith, obedience, and trust in God. And God's very proud of you, proud of you both. And it's okay because in, in the culture of lions, you're allowed to roar and not be rebuked. So you keep roaring, Pastor Samuel. You keep roaring for God. You keep being who you're called to be. So there's an interesting thing happening, I think, nationally that will happen globally is that young lions are going to find each other. And there's a covering over awakened church to draw them in for seasons of encouragement, seasons of you know, fellowship and seasons of equipping. The impact of this church is growing into other streams of the kingdom, other realms of the kingdom. This can be kind of exciting. I see you, Samuel and Miss Katie, really engaged in those things also in a great way. I pray a blessing upon all five of your siblings, your precious mother. I loosen the grace of God. I declare that it's miracle testimony time to every sibling in your family. All nieces and nephews, God, thank you. Honoring the faith of mom, the faith of her son, and giving them miracle after miracle after miracle. I saw just the Lord touch your body. I loosened a creative miracle into your physical body. Declare supernatural strength and grace to you that with long life, God will satisfy you. And you're gonna feel, you're gonna feel different you're going to feel um, your heart pumping stronger. You're going to feel your circulatory system functioning stronger. God, I thank you for your healing grace upon mom. In the name of Jesus, we honor you, God. We worship you and praise you. In Jesus' name, hey, thank you, church. It's been a, a sincere honor to be with you all. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.